0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Agape. It's So good to see so many of you here yet again. Uh, look at the person next to you and just give them a smile. Show some teeth. Uh, okay, some of you are scared to show your teeth. Okay, awesome stuff. <laughs> well, um, it's again a privilege to, to bring the Word of God this morning. Uh, let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here that's just so evident right from the start, oh Lord. We're so humble to be in your presence, and Lord, even as I bring your word, Father, I pray that, Lord, that you will speak to us in a clear and, and personal way, Lord, that your name be glorified, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Everything worth its salt takes a process, takes time. The painting of The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci took three and a half years to complete, three and a half years to complete. Uh, he painted it, he wanted to get the, uh, the facial features right, he wanted to get um, the character right, so he started, he stopped, he started, he stopped. It took about three and a half years to do it. The Statue of Liberty, the construction started in 1875, and it wasn't completed until 1884. They worked round the clock, seven days a week, for nine years to finish the Statue of Liberty. And then when once it was completed, it was broken down into 350, disassembled into 350 pieces, transported across to New York City, and then reassembled again. But there's also something else that's very much closer to our hearts that is beautiful and takes time to make. Watch this video. So are you hungry yet? <laughs> for those of you who don't know, that is siu or roasted pork. My love for this particular kind of food, I'm, I'm sorry, Ronnie, it's all about food today, you know, so, yeah. You know, you know it, it, it started when I was really young. My mom used to go to the wet market uh, every Saturday morning, so I used to go with her, uh, and there was this uncle there who who sells uh, char siu and Sioux. so every time he sees me coming in you know he'll he'll give me a piece of char siu or then the next time he sees me, he'll he give me a piece of siu you know and then when, when we started buying he when we, we buy a little bit he'll add a few more extra for me you know that kind of thing and so it was cultivated from young you know and and yeah you know but but more than the process, this is kind of like a simplified process of making this. I know there are some people here. You're looking at this. No, no, it's not so easy. Auntie Pang, look at me, uh, and she's squinting and me say, no, no, not so easy. You know, to make this, you know, but there was this one traditional uh, guy in in uh, near where I grew up in Ampang in KL who was particularly famous for his suyo. and people will line up to buy it, and and um, it'll be done by like 7, 11, thirty in the morning. Everything is sold out already. So. Uh, Obviously, I was one of the people, people who lined up as well. Uh, so I got to know him over the years. Over the years, I got to know him. So I asked him, what is the secret? What is it that makes it so different from everyone else? And what, what makes it so good? He said, you've got to use the right part. The right part of it. You just don't just take any part of it. You choose the right one. And, and you don't just cook it in a normal oven. You know those, those kilns that you use uh, to make tandoori and, and stuff like that? You use those you know, and, and and getting the right temperature, the right heat is very important. And you've got to um, poke very fine holes in the skin. But when you poke the holes, you have to make sure you don't puncture to the layer of the fat because then the fat will keep on and, and it mixes. So it's very, uh, uh, an accurate process. But the secret to actually making the skin as crispy as possible, he said, is this. He said, don't tell anyone, but now I'm telling you, okay? So, while it's cooking, you take it out at a particular time, just before the temperature increases, you take it out, he'll fill his mouth with water and go, and very quickly put it back in. And that's when you get that nice crisp layer of skin that, that comes out from there. And when he told me that, my jaw just hung open, All like, that. But he said, "But nowadays, you know, I use the spray because you know it's, it's it's more hygienic. I just use the spray. I don't use my mouth. But traditionally, that's how it, it was made. You know, and, and I I say all that to say this that it's it takes a very detailed process to make something so beautiful, so beautiful. And the title of my sermon is the journey, the journey." Philippians 1, chapter, six, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 in the New King James Version says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Um, Philippi, to which Paul writes this letter to, was made up of Roman, a lot of retired Roman soldiers and their families. They were given land and and that's how Philippi actually grew. And there was all these uh, people who were familiar with journeys, with with making a journey or or taking time or processes to rise up the ranks in in the army. So it, it takes time. The same, the same verse in the message translation says, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it. He started a good work at you. He will keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. Try saying that, flourishing finish. Very well done. <laughs> flourishing finish on the very day Jesus Christ appears. But what does it mean to bring it to completion. What does it mean to bring it to a flourishing finish? In, in theological terms, we have, th- we have three uh, kind of terms that we kind of use. When someone accepts the Lord as their personal Savior, they are immediately justified before Christ. Justification happens. And then there is a process of sanctification, of becoming gradually more and more like Christ as the days go by, and until to a point of uh, where we either die or Jesus comes and we are glorified. So these three processes take place, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So uh, that's in theological terms, okay? But what does it really mean on a daily basis in, in our everyday life? And one of these uh, ways in which that we can grow and which we can uh, concentrate on this process of sanctification, I believe it's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. Let me read it to you. And this I pray, this is is Paul praying for the Philippian church. It says, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense, Till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The message translation says it slightly differently. He says, so this is my prayer, that your love will flourish, that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent and not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. So let's look a little bit more in detail in these three areas in which uh, we can become more Like Christ in the likeness of Christ uh, in each day. Firstly, is this that your love may abound more and more? That your love may abound more and more. You know, if you've been to any wedding or or, uh, where a pastor preaches at a wedding, what's the what's the verse that is always quoted? Revelation 20. Sorry, what? 1 Corinthians 13. Yes, correct. Okay, so uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 3 to 7. Uh, says it really nicely, and look at the message translation. It says this, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going till the end. You know, Hollywood and fiction and romance novels uh, uh, gives a very shallow idea of love. But if one thing that defines God, God Godly love so accurately, is is the idea that love cares more for others than for self. Love cares more for others than for self. And there's there's a huge difference between the idea of self-love or the me-first mentality. Whether it's being selfish or just wanting the best for for me, myself, and I, that's all I can think about at the expense of others. But one of the best ways to describe it is, is this, love with your head and not just your heart. He talks about your mind and your thoughts being direct, to direct our love for others over our own desires. And as Christians, as we grow in the maturity of Christ, in, in becoming more like Christ, and we are called to love appropriately by using our mind, our wisdom in exercising love. When to love, how to love, to test our feelings and not just to love, but to make sure that our love is sincere, and intelligent, and not just sentimental. And for those of us who are choosing, uh, for those of you who are choosing your life partner, you know, you come to a point of time when you, you are, you're looking around and, and you're evaluating, it's not just a love that, that emanates from your heart, but it also has to be a love that comes through your mind, where you, you evaluate the person and you, and you consider the person Are you aligned with the mind of Christ? Are you aligned in your values and your principles and your structure? Only then do we consider and direct our love and our heart towards that person. You know, one of the best examples I can think about growing in in love and growing and abounding in love is is the idea of marriage. Uh, You know, love grows, the love that matures, a love that evolves. Now, if you're here with your husband or your wife, I want you to try this. Turn to that person, your husband or your wife, and stare at them for 20 seconds in their eye. Go ahead. If, if, only if you're married, huh? Not married, don't do yet, okay? So just turn, look at your husband, and stare at that person for 20 seconds. Eye to eye. Go ahead. I give you permission. Eyeball to eyeball. Must be married, huh? <laughs> yeah, married to each other, yes. <laughs> Not married separately and stare at each other, okay? You know, when you do that, something happens, right? Let, let me stare at my wife for a while. You know, something happens when you look at your husband, when you look at your wife. And when was the last time you stopped and you just stared at your. Uh, look intently with love? At your, at your spouse. But you remember the feeling, you know, for, for those of you who are younger, um, when you were dating, or you, when you just started a court, when, when, the, when the person's phone number appears, you know, you, you have, if you had caller ID in those days, or if you even had a mobile phone, but you know, when, when it appears, you get so excited. <laughs> Hello? Oh, hi, dear. <laughs> you know, th- th- there's an excitement, there's a flurry in your heart. It just be- begins to, uh, you know, uh, then you meet, and then when you see the person coming through the crowd and your eyes meet and there's, there's something that just begins to flourish in your heart and your heart starts beating farther. Or oh, the first time you held hands with the person and you walked and you're like... Mm, you know, there is something that's just gradually growing and, and, and if you're wearing an, an Apple watch you know, then your, your, heart, your heartbeat, it kicks your heartbeat and it goes so fast that it, it starts beeping and stuff like that you, know, you don't want to give it away and all that so your heart starts growing love starts to blossom then you get married and it's so nice, you're married you're allowed to have sex <laughs> And then, the reality comes in. You go in, and the bathroom, the, the toilet bowl seat is up. OK. You go and brush your teeth, and, and the toothpaste is pressed in the wrong way, in a different way that you do it. You come out, and there's a, there's, a, there's a wet towel on the bed. The laundry is not done. The trash is not taken out. This is not my marriage, OK? My, my wife is perfect. okay? This is not this, OK? <laughs> I'm just giving you examples, things that I've done maybe, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's, you, you have to begin to make a decision to love the person more each day. And sometimes it's not so easy. It's a decision day after day that you grow in spite of your situation, in spite of your struggles. Children come, stresses come, work comes, things become uh, even more tedious, become more full or depending on the stage of life, maybe your children have grown up and they've left and now it's just the two of you are home in an empty nest. How do you grow your love each day? Do we consciously, that's why it says, think intellectually, not just uh, something in your heart, but purposefully and intentionally grow your love for each other. You need to decide to love the person each day more and more in spite of the situation around us. And in the same way, I mean, not necessarily towards your, your uh, to people out there in the same way that you love your husband and wife. That's only reserved for your husband or wife. But are we growing in our love for the people around us? Do we show concern? Do we show care in spite of the situations that we go through? Are we abounding in love? Are we growing in love in our relationship with the Lord each day, which results in this love that's growing? Do we stop harping on our own issues and allow God to work through them, while at the same time be a blessing to others? Be a blessing to others. You know, there were two disciples that Jesus had, James and John. What were they called? The sons of thunder. You know, uh, sons of thunder because they were rash, they were uh, they were they were crude, they were they were rough around the edges, and they had a, a, a fierce temper. But along the years, over the years, becoming being with the Lord, being present with the Lord, being uh, involved in in the work of the Lord, they they had a new name, the sons of love, the brothers of love. You know, there's a transformation that takes place in the journey as we grow in the Lord that that begins to remove elements of our lives that should not be there and gradually make us more and more Christ-like. secondly, be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. In the message translation, it says, live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life that Jesus will be proud of. Now, you read this and you say, this is impossible. You no, know, there's so many things in the Bible that says, yeah, you can, I can do that, but live a life that is pure and blameless. I mean, I'm not a saint. No, I, I, I can't do this. You know, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just who I am. But remember that a Christian life is a a journey that leads towards purity. A journey that leads towards purity. One day at a time, one week at a time, one year at a time. Take step by step, incrementally, and celebrate that. We need to gradually become more and more like Christ. And to live a life of purity. You know, when I was in primary school, uh, I was... Quite a mummy's boy, you know, a a very good boy. I, uh, you know, when the school came back, I was very naive, didn't know much about it. Um, In my centre six exam, my UPSR, I had four A's and one B. I can't remember what the B was for, so now. But anyway, I had four A's and one B. So I couldn't make it to the St. John's or Victoria Institution, the good schools. I went to Skola Menengah Sri Ampang, which is one of the most notorious schools in that area. So within one year of my form one, of, of my uh, secondary education, I had gone from a naive, good little boy, uh, you know, assistant head prefect, to uh, this not, not really notorious, but I, I started to hang out with a group of people and all that. My speech started to change. I started using language in, in English and Malay that is not so nice, you know, and, and, and uh, um, characters started changing, you know, and, And my parents looked at me and said, no, if we continue leaving him in the school and uh, uh, he's he's just going to go downhill from there. So my dad being uh, from Singapore, I said, let's pack him up and send him to a Christian school in Singapore. And that's when I evolved. You know, from using foul language in English and Malay, I graduated and I started using Hokkien words. You know, there's there's something so powerful with the Hokkien language. You know, when you use foul words in Hokkien, it sounds so much better. It's really like to the point. Don't go and Google it after this, okay? But, (laughs) but you know, it was it 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 graduated. There's so much of uh, there's a difference that that, that it's like a graduating to a different level of notoriety. You know, when you use Hokkien, but it was in Singapore that gradually that I gradually uh, got to know the Lord. You know, And, and and really actually got to know the Lord and my relationship with the Lord improved slowly and my hockey hand reduced and my English went up, you know, and, and, and there was a change in my speech, there was a change in my character and it was a journey that began that day that is still continuing to this day. I began to speak life, I began to understand the, 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 or at least begin to understand what God had in store for me. Remember the chart I I showed you earlier, the the journey that it's on? Can we just show that one more time? As you're on this journey, you know, she says, I'm not yet perfect, but I press on towards the goal. I'm not yet perfect, but I press on towards the goal. See, there's something called the grace of God. And the grace of God is so powerful that it starts the process of transformation in our lives. It doesn't excuse sin but it allows a way back to the Father by what Jesus has done on the cross. And applied grace leads to a changed life. Don't just listen to the Word, but be doers of the Word. When you apply grace in your life, it it gives you something that is so good that what Jesus has done on the cross and you apply it in your life, you then begin to improve your own life. You begin to take steps to not go back to where you were before. But never take this grace for granted. Never take this grace for granted. Grace motivates us to a life of purity. Don't get me wrong, addictions and sin are very real issues that we face. And if you are going through an addiction, if you're going through a situation where you know that it's a constant sin in your life, deal with it. Speak to someone that you trust. Speak to uh, someone where you who can journey with you and 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 get you out of this with the help of the Lord. Now, some of you know this guy named Kanye West, you know, and and recently uh, uh, this is one of the statements that he said: "Be in a condition of constant repentance." You know. Uh, People might say, you know, oh no, this, this guy Kanye has been a singer, his lifestyle was like all over the place, you know, and now suddenly he's talking about Jesus, is this real, is this true? You know, it's not up to us to judge. But he is being, he, his testimony now and, and what he's saying, you know, he was interviewed recently and, and 80% of what he said was good, 20% was just way off tangent, you know, in, in terms of uh, uh, theological accuracy. But But what he's doing is just, highlighting that Jesus is king, that there's been a transformation in his life and he's able to reach people who would never listen to the gospel message. You know, I remember what Glenn said last week, you know, if in the story of the prodigal son, um, you, when the son comes back, does he meet the father who has loving arms open or does he meet the elder brother who was upset that the, son, the, the younger brother came back? You know, we as the church, we, we need to be constantly having that, the, the, the attitude of the Father, loving arms to accept people back into the fold. He's bringing attention to the power of Jesus Christ as King. Romans 5, 20, 21 says this, But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life. Grace invites us into life. A life that goes on and on, world without end. If we understand the concept of grace, we will understand that it enables us to become more and more like Christ each day towards a life of purity. And finally is this, my third point, filled with the fruit of righteousness, filled with the fruit of righteousness, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus attractive to all, making Jesus attractive to all. Speaking about life, we are called to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And this, uh, this term, fruit of righteousness, is actually an Old Testament term which refers to uh, someone who has a relationship with God and then it begins to show in your life. It begins to show in your acts, in, in what you do. It speaks about a life of love, about charity, about giving, about hospitality, about acts of benevolence. It, it speaks about a life that grows and overflows in joy and prayer and devotion as a result of being more like Christ. And if you see the, the NLT translation of, of, of this verse, 1 uh, Philippians 1.11, it says, this, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. The righteous character produced. In your life by Jesus Christ. It's so practical. It's that when you have a relationship with the Lord, things begin to work out and transform in your life. And a fruit is always a, a result of surplus, extra. For those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. We have received this gift of righteousness, and, and it's a time to start to sow. You know, we just concluded our 14 days of, of uh, prayer and fasting, and, and it's so good to, to, to actually commit and pray for this, for, for Nila especially, for, for what's happening. You know, when, when someone is, uh, like what Pastor said, you know, it's a, it's a child, it's a baby. That we are producing in Eli, that, that uh, this church is producing a baby in Eli. But with any baby that comes, there is that, that gestation period, that nine months of going through it, and then the, the pain of delivery. But when you hold that baby, all that discomfort of sleeping, that, that, that uh, you know, the, the, the uneasiness, the, the change of diet, the change of, of, of everything that goes through, all of that passes when you look at this beautiful baby that's born and then grows and grows. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to come together and pray. You know, there's something we started recently with the the worship team. We call it toothbrush prayers. That uh, when you brush your teeth once or twice a day, hopefully twice a day. If it's once, then go and see Dr. Verón. You know, if it's twice a day, brush your teeth. During that three minutes, you know, that uh, you pray for someone else while you're brushing your teeth. Someone in the, in the worship team or someone uh, you know who's going through an issue or, or, or just to encourage someone or just to pray for that. We, just, we call it toothbrush prayers. You know, and, and we started it recently. And one thing that you can do to, to grow this, this area of your life is Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Now, this was the photograph of uh, last Wednesday 8 o'clock. We got together and, and we prayed. But next year, we're going to move from the ground floor, the, the annex hall, the the smaller hall that sits about 120, 108 towards 160, we're going to move to the second floor, to the annex sanctuary, in anticipation of what God is doing, in anticipation of the growth that's going to take place, that that more and more people are going to come and just sit at the feet of the Lord and pray. And can I encourage you, make it your wawasan doplo doplo, make it your New Year resolution, that if you're in Suramban on a Wednesday night, you will clear your schedule and be in the house of the Lord. Come to prayer meeting. I saw someone nudging somebody. Yes, nudge the person next to you. Throw something at their head and hit them if you want to. But be here on Wednesday 8 o'clock because we're seeing, we're hearing testimonies. We're seeing breakthrough that takes place. We're sitting at the feet of the Lord and just waiting and seeing what God is doing. It's a powerful time. And if you want to grow in the likeness of God, if you want to grow in your personal devotion, if you want to grow and coming in just sitting at the feet of the Lord, it's a great place to start. Great place to start. So life is a journey. And your Christian life is also a journey. And if if there's one thing that you can take back from this sermon, if there's one line that you can take back is this. Keep moving forward keep moving forward keep moving forward keep moving forward Ephesians 1:13 and 14 says this so beautifully it says it's in Christ that you once you heard the truth and believed this message of your salvation found yourselves home free signed sealed and delivered by the holy spirit this signet from from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a a praising and glorious life. Look at it in the New King James Version. It says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee. Look at the person next to you and say, guarantee. Guarantee. You know what a guarantee is? It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. It is in the person of the Holy Spirit that, that seals this promise of salvation, seals the direction that we're moving in. He is the down payment of a glorious future with Christ. He's also the down payment and the installment of towards a flourishing finish in Christ. You know, we get salvation, we we accept the Lord as our personal saviour, but sometimes we try by our own strength. We will it. That's why we we have that idea that, no, I I will never be perfect. It's true, we are never going to be perfect this side of heaven. But if we try by our own strength, it's going to be difficult. And dare I say, impossible. But when you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you, if, if you try by your own strength, you open the Word of God and you read, it's just words. But when, when you have the person of the Holy Spirit next to you, giving you that enlightenment, giving you the, that revelation, it, the Word becomes life. And you are, when you apply it into your life, there's a transformation that takes place there's someone here in, in, in this service that, I, uh, that I've been journeying with and, and she's an older lady and she told me a story once and, and it's only been a couple of years that she really got into the word of God and she visited a family and, and um, in hospital and the son was uh, having fever and, and she just remembered at that point the word of God says lay your hands on the sick and pray and they shall be well so she, she asked permission and she prayed for that family I uh, prayed for that boy and immediately the fever left Immediately. You know, it's simple faith. And I ask myself, I've been a Christian for so long. You know How, how come I, I've never had that, that experience? You know, But let me tell you, it's a different journey that each one of us are on. And when you're on your own personal, that's, that's the beautiful thing about our Lord. That's the beautiful thing about our God. He customizes your journey for you if you allow Him. He customizes the journey that you're on. So there are second chances. That is the grace of God that is poured into your life that again and again and again, He makes Himself real to your situation, your specific situation. And He carries you through that situation. It is the person of the Holy Spirit that journeys with you closer than a brother. But when we struggle with our own strength, it's difficult. It's tedious. It's dry. It's all up here. But when we have that revelation of the Holy Spirit, it moves from here down here. And when it moves down here, it becomes so real, so real. And we have the person of the Holy Spirit, he is the seal, he is the promise, he is the deposit and the installment of a life of continuous progress in Christ Jesus. Continuous progress in Christ Jesus so that we can go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. But sometimes when we go through these issues in life or these things that just bog us down, we we live in condemnation. We live in a position of, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And instead of working with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to to infiltrate those areas of our lives and take control and lead us to the next level, we we go years, weeks after weeks, having the condemnation over us. Remember that roasted pork that I showed you in in the start? You know, it doesn't take it's not so easy to get it like this. Any one of you who, who makes it know. It has to go through that marinating process. It goes through that rubbing, that pressing, that salt, that poking of holes. It, it is a process that is painful sometimes. It is a process that is, is uh, and we go through it sometimes as well. We feel like we're, we're pressed from every side, whether it's family, whether it's finances, whether it's uh, uh, career, you know, decisions that we make in life, maybe right decisions, maybe wrong decisions. Painful. But in all of these processes, it can be even a medical situation that goes on in your life. In all of this, God is constant. The person of the Holy Spirit is constant if you will allow Him into your situation. If you will allow Him to journey with you, alongside you, carry you through, walk with you, if you will allow him to. Word of God says it's not by might, it's not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to do that good work in our lives, to bring that good work to completion, towards that flourishing finish. Can I have the worship team up, please? It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. But don't go on this journey alone. Don't go on this journey alone. You know, without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we, our walk with God becomes stagnant, becomes stale. The Word of God says that the Holy Spirit is our deposit of our inheritance, the guarantee of our inheritance. Without the Holy Spirit, we delay that inheritance that what God has in store for us. We get stuck. We don't move forward in the process of sanctification. We don't move. We are not there yet. But let me, have a, let me tell you this. God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. There is still a work that he wants to do in you and through you that transformation that can take place when the Holy Spirit, when you allow the Holy Spirit into areas of every area of your life and to allow that transformation, to allow Him to take control and journey with you and carry you through the situations. If we don't have the person of the Holy Spirit with us, we have a semblance of this religion, but, not, but we lack the power that comes with it, with that relationship with the Lord. Don't settle for the mundane when you have the majesty. Don't settle for the dry when the Word of God says make dry bones come alive. Don't settle for routine and just going through life each day without having the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need the Holy Spirit to grow in love each day, to abound in love, to live a life that is pure and righteous towards becoming more and more Christ-like and to show that fruit of righteousness that is indwelling in you as a result of having this relationship with the Lord. Can I just ask you to just look to the Lord right now, wherever you're seated, just bow your heads and just begin to engage with God Jesus Holy Spirit are there some areas of your life where you really need the power of God to move in are we stuck in that Quicksand, or that—that is so difficult to just move on, to move forward in that relationship with the Lord. Are you stuck in a situation, or or has it just been dry yeah, day after day, week after week? Are you ready for what God wants to do, to bring to completion the good work that He has begun? As the worship team sings this song, just. Let the words just minister to you and, and make that your prayer today.
1: Amen. There's nothing worth more That could ever come close No thing can compare You're our living hope Your prayer taste it and see of the sweetest of love, where my heart becomes free and my shame is under, your prayer.
0: you to rise and let's sing this song and make that your prayer and an invitation to the power of the Lord the power of the Holy Spirit an invitation for God to come and move in your life and an invitation to allow the Holy Spirit to empower you because it's not by my it's not my strength but by the spirit of the Lord hallelujah